Hey there, this is Daniel. Thanks for listening to DIY Money. Now, if you haven't already, be sure to give us a five-star review so your friends know that this is a show that they can learn from. Follow us on Instagram at DIY.money. Now, enjoy this episode. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to another edition of DIY Money. DIY Money. All right, this week's question comes from Robbie. Robbie, we've been sitting on this question a little while, and I appreciate your patience. We had to look into some of the apps you are referring to. I will, you will understand. That will make sense to you listeners in just a minute. Uh, but if you're new to the show, we appreciate you checking us out. You can send us your question. Just pull out your phone, do a voice memo. Send it via email to podcast at DIYmoney.org. Podcast at DIYmoney.org. This question this week, uh, fascinating, about small investing apps from Robbie. Robbie, hit us with your question. DIY. Hey, gentlemen. My name is Robbie, and I've been dabbling in the world of the small investment apps such as Robinhood, Stash, M1, and Acorns. All these are a bit unique, but I was curious if you had experience with any of them and could maybe touch on the pros and cons of using these. Additionally, what are some of the tax implications that one would have to worry about upon withdrawal of their investment and earnings? Thanks a bunch for the information on this growing industry for investing. Picked his words. Very good. Excellent question, Robbie. I know that uh, I have some very small experience with this, and I will certainly share that uh, with you. I know Daniel does as well, but you've looked into some of these, Daniel. What uh, what can you share with Robbie here? Yeah, I absolutely love uh, apps that make things simpler. I also love apps to eat, like boneless buffalo wings. I don't know if our audience is into apps, but I'm an apps guy all around. Uh, all right. So let's see. We had Robin Hood, Stash, Acorns and M1 Finance were the ones that he mentioned. Uh, I would say those are probably the the popular ones uh, all around as far as investing goes right now. Generally speaking, I think. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to interrupt. Uh, let's explain what that is. So our audience, because you know, small investing apps. Okay, but what 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 does that mean? Yeah. So I think what he's referring to when he says small investing apps are apps that allow you to invest small amounts of money or make it very simple for you to uh, regularly dollar cost average small amounts of money. So most of these, uh, so M1, Stash, I believe Acorns, uh, will all allow you to buy fractional shares to some extent. We'll throw in, say, Betterment and Wealthfront and some of the robo-advisors as well, allow you to contribute a dollar amount, and then we'll spread that out. Or you can pick certain investments, and they will buy uh, X amount of dollars to go in there. Now, Robinhood is sort of the exception. Robinhood is actually a brokerage, just like Schwab, TD Ameritrade, Fidelity, where you go on, you choose X amount of shares, you have to pay that amount. Um, but what Robinhood's claim to fame is they're essentially figuratively free. If you're not using the premium service, you can go on and buy with zero commission some of these stocks uh, and so forth. So um, so in that way, it does allow you to you know invest in, in one share of Apple for, what, 100-something? Um, or one share of Starbucks for 95 something or one share of Cisco for 48, you know, um, so it does allow you to invest small amounts. Now, generally speaking, the, uh, what apps, investing apps have done in the past, uh, five or so years has, 
democratized really investing, which means that it, it's made it more open to the people. So it wasn't long ago that you had to pay an astronomical amount of money to buy individual stocks. Um, you even had to pay commissions on mutual funds not all that long ago. And what the movement has been to now is uh, the individual investor should have access and that uh, investing should be basically next to nothing. Uh, the upside of that is it's made investing widely available to the small investor who just wants to start setting money away. The downside is it potentially overcomplicates it and gives you a lot of decisions to make. Um, so now there are some services, for instance, say Betterment, or there's, I think Acorns is the one where you can, you spend money and then they'll, uh, like drip money into an account, uh, if you will. Um, I don't, I can't recall if they're the ones that sort of round up when you use the debit card and so forth, but some of them allow that feature where they kind of auto save for you. So it, it really creates a level of discipline for you. Uh, years ago, we did, uh, a review on our other podcast, Tape Talk. Uh, on Loyal 3, which was very similar to what um, Stash is now. And the downside to some of these services is they charge little to nothing uh, on the front end. And so they have to make those costs up somewhere. And if they don't, then eventually they just fizzle out, which is what happened to Loyal 3. I don't know that that was the exact situation, but they essentially fizzled out. It was too good to be true. You could buy stocks for nothing, dollar cost average for um, a dollar amount and so forth. So the caution that I have for individual investors here is if it um, if it's creating too many decisions for you, uh, that is, you're having to choose which stocks to dollar cost average in, you're having to uh, set up your investment allocation um, at you know Acorns or whatever. Uh, there's simpler ways to do that just using the old traditional brokerages like your Schwab's, Fidelity's, and TD Ameritrade's by just buying an index fund. So you can put money in, put it into one index fund or a uh, in uh, asset allocation fund like a target date fund and so forth. And those, the costs on those are essentially, I mean, roughly zero. Um, they're 0 0.02, 0.03% annualized costs. So, it, I mean, it's as close, almost as close to zero as you're going to get. And the upside to those traditional brokerages is they've been around a long time. They're probably going to continue to be around a long time, barring some you know large disaster corporately for them. And they've figured out a lot of the quirks from a tax reporting standpoint, a performance reporting standpoint, statement standpoint. They're very, very easy to use. And so the reason why I highlight that is we were using betterment uh, a couple of years ago for one of our taxable savings accounts. It, it was the account that I set up a long time ago to test betterment for one of our shows. And so we were dollar cost averaging into that for, I think it was a, a car purchase years ago. And so we were making, you know, a, a quote unquote car payment into that of 150 or $200 a month to save up for a car, which they then allocated into five, six or seven ETFs every month. Um, so that's five or five, six or seven purchases every month, 12 months of the year. Uh, which all was fine and good. And then we sold uh, all those ETFs down to purchase the car. And when tax season came around that year, we got our 1099, which is your tax form when you sell investments from Betterment uh, for this taxable account and tried to just do the upload into TurboTax because we uh, do our own taxes. We uploaded TurboTax. And the way that Betterment chose to report it, which is instead of summarizing everything into a couple line items, but they basically took all of those fractional share purchases, put them on their own line item, 
and created the 1099 that was some obscene amount of pages long and could not be directly uploaded into TurboTax, essentially. TurboTax freaked out, said that you have to switch from this version of TurboTax to that version to be able to upload it. And it really created uh, an annoying effect um, for us and it turned me off basically to using Betterment for taxable account purposes because they just hadn't figured that out. Contrast that with Schwab, um, which we use for some of our investment accounts, and they consolidate everything. So when tax reporting time comes, it's very simple. The direct link to TurboTax works, TurboTax works, uh, and so forth. So some of these younger companies just have not polished some of those important factors, and some of those you don't realize until years down the road. So there are established companies that are doing that well. Um, now, if any of these apps for small investors allow you to get excited about or learn more about investing and finance and so forth, uh, by all means do it, but don't be, uh, don't be, I guess, allured to trade more often, to make more transactions, to make investing more complicated than it has to. A simple index fund for somebody who's putting away a couple hundred dollars a month or a hundred dollars a month or $25 a month is going to get you way further uh, in your investment life and beginning in your investment life. The key is putting away more, not, you know, eking out an extra couple basis points and gains every year with uh, a smaller portfolio. I think that's where I uh, lie. Robbie, I appreciate the question and I appreciate the enthusiasm, but I got to tell you, I just don't know why anybody would would go down this road. I I I get it. I mean, I understand the allure. Hey, buy a fractional share of you know Amazon or of whatever it may be um, at this price, et cetera. But ultimately, if you're trying to really build your financial future, I think you you start that with dollar cost averaging into an index fund for a long period of time until you have a sizable enough portfolio where you ultimately, um, you know, can then, uh, buy a stock and, and you buy, you know, a, a decent amount uh, of stock. Now used to be, I think that the major shift is that, uh, regardless of a small commission, maybe 495 or 3 whatever it is that you pay um you you used to way back in the day when I was started as a broker 20 years ago number 1 you had to do round lot shares so if somebody didn't buy 100 shares or at minimum 100 shares of a stock uh they would pay a considerable amount more in their commission but even when they bought 100 shares their commission was like $100 or $200. I mean it was it was astronomical. And so that really it was a good and a bad. A good was uh it discouraged significant turnover. Uh because someone in order to uh trade aggressively and often would have to pay a considerable amount of money uh to do that and that sometimes discouraged that. The Conversely, is that price was just extraordinary. So, and a majority of it went into the broker's pocket, which is what I did. I mean, that, that's how I made a living in in my first year in business was selling stocks and making a commission. But I think that you know, to to go the opposite extreme and say, well, I've, I want to got a Robinhood app or this app or that app, and ultimately, um, 
you know, just to reduce it down to nothing and buy a fractional share. I, again, I think you have to really get to the bottom of what it is you're trying to accomplish. I think we're all just trying to accomplish a secure financial future, building wealth, et cetera. I am not discouraging individual stock purchases. I think that's fantastic. I think that it's uh, going to spark your enthusiasm for uh, valuing companies and, you know, going down that road of learning how the market works. But I think that it's an ancillary component towards a so in, inside of a solid investment plan. And I think that can start with a Schwab account, a Fidelity account, uh, buying an a Vanguard account, buying an index fund, et cetera. I do want to make a clarification. In the past on this show, I have made the mistake of saying that you can't buy individual stocks at Vanguard. And in fact, you can. They now allow that. However, their pricing for an individual stock is not nearly as cost-effective as a Schwab uh, is or a Fidelity, et cetera. So again, I think that you start by building up your account with an index fund. Y you concentrate on you know, improving your financial situation, paying down debt, et cetera. Now, if you want to just have some individual stock, et cetera, then you know, have enough money out there to buy 10, 20 shares or whatever. You don't have to buy 100 for sure. That's no longer the game. But you know, you don't, I don't think it really is going to do much for you to go out and buy one share or two shares, et cetera. That's my personal opinion on it. The other thing I'll add is, you didn't ask about this, but I really like the concept of the rounding up uh, apps that put that money into an investment account. Uh, understand, I said I like the concept. Remember how I track expenses? I track expenses uh, manually in a spreadsheet, in a Google Sheet. And so what I would love is that instead of having um, one, you know, one, let's say, $1.98 cup of coffee from Starbucks, um, I have one transaction that's $2, right? Starbucks, $2. And, and that two cents mysteriously goes in there. Uh, that's not the case. Uh, what I have learned, and I tried this very, very short term because it was a nightmare for record keeping, is that the $1.98 would go in there. The two cents would be a totally separate charge. It would eventually go in there. Sometimes it lagged. Sometimes it was, it was a pain. And so I got away from that immediately. So again, I think this goes along the side in, and it's in this, in this world of how do I sort of um, get around the discipline? How do I, you know, avoid doing the hard work? And you just can't. I mean, yeah, you can implement things to make them more efficient, but I think the more things you try to implement to make more efficient, you know, that's the less really discipline you have and, and the, the less progress you're going to make. So that's my two cents on it. I think Daniel did a really nice job breaking down, uh, you know, his experience and the individual apps out there. But I think you got to, again, what's the end goal? If it's just to build wealth, start with index funds, buy some shares when you, you know, when you want to do that. Um, but I would personally, um, not be into the, the small app game. That's my two cents. Anything else to add, Daniel? Investing doesn't have to be sexy. It just has to work. That's exactly right. That's a great way to conclude. All right, Robbie, thank you for the question. Derek will send you a $25 gift card to Amazon. Remember, friends, the secret to wealth is really not that complicated. It does take discipline, though. 
And that is live on less than you make, invest the rest, and do so for a very long time. Make it a great one. Thanks for listening to this episode of the show. If you want content delivered to you regularly, be sure to follow us on Instagram at DIY.money. And if you want your questions aired on the show, be sure to send that to us and you'll get $25 Amazon gift card.